Capla Rico, conqueror of the airways, liberator of minds, glory to you and your podcast. Ah, Capla to you also, Rob. <laughs> Thanks again for another cool intro from Rob, uh, who's done quite a few for us. Anyway, everyone, I'm Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi your weekly geek fest about Trek and sci-fi news and fantasy news and whatever else I happen to feel like talking about, you know? (laughs) Today will be podcast 315 for January the 23rd, almost said 22nd, 23rd. Gosh, the almost the first month of the year is gone, so, which is just as well for me because uh, winter has been harsh. Too cold, too much snow, too much everything, and, uh, I'm ready for spring already, but uh, and I think I say this most weeks during the winter. <laughs> it's just, it's been really cold. I know a lot of places in the country are getting some crazy weather. We were about minus 8 or 9 degrees the other day, and the last couple of days have been pretty pretty cold out. Anyway, that is not what you're here for, and we are here to talk about TNG this week. Going to be looking at the episode A Fistful of Datas, which is a lot of fun, a Western-style TNG episode. It's usually a kind of a fan favorite. It's always get kind of mentioned and talked about. And it's something that I've wanted to cover for a long time, and it's now going to be done today. I think I'm going to do a full commentary for this one uh, just for a change of pace, try to mix that up versus clip shows. Uh, so that will be on uh, the show today for the main topic. A few other things to talk about, uh, some listener comments and usual fun. So, hey, let's get rolling. Welcome again to the show, everyone. That was a little bit of Miko Star Trek music that you heard there uh, for the intro. I've uh, been trying to scour uh, online a few things, a few different places to find some new tunes to play and new clips for the new year for all of you. And uh, sometime I just got to sit down and make some, uh, you know, a variety of clips. So I'll have them ready each week. Uh, But, you know, I do it as I need them. What else? uh, Or what else? Not what else. (laughs) Oh, as always, the hardest thing, even after 315 plus a, a beta cast shows, the hardest part is always to get into the role and the swing of things. 
each week. Uh, let's start out with, I guess, talking about a few things that I've seen in the last week. I, I'm going to try to do that each week as movies and TV shows uh, go on. Uh, I'll start out with movies. I finally, or not finally, it's not been out that long. I did see the Green Hornet movie with Seth Rogen. Um uh, overall, I was kind of disappointed in it, I have to admit. I, I, I was a pretty big fan of the, the 60s TV show, and, you know, I, I always thought the Green Hornet was a very cool character. Could be even a, a cool character to bring back onto a TV series even more, maybe, than a movie. Uh, this uh, movie production had had a lot of troubles over the years to get going. It was There were a lot of different people associated with it, and eventually it, it fell kind of on uh, Seth Rogen, who was one of the writers of the film and he obviously starred in it and it it's it's not a terrible movie but it certainly isn't for those who are traditional green hornet fans it's not going to be best or or the best thing you you're going to like it very much it, it is pretty much what the trailers show there's a lot of comedy elements in it you know the funny thing about this movie i thought was that it starts out fairly serious the first maybe half or so give or take uh is but then Seth Rogen just seems to need to slip in a lot of these comedy things, and I think for what's going on in the movie, he jokes around just a little bit too much at certain points. I could see making some jokes. I mean, Spider-Man, it's his sort of modus operandi. You know, he he jokes when he's fighting bad guys to sort of, you know, make him not really, I think, think about everything that's going on and the craziness around him. But for the Green Hornet, it, it just doesn't really work, at least for me. Uh, but again, it, you know, it had a lot of action. That's for sure. The guy that plays Cato is is very good. Uh, they did some interesting martial arts in this movie. If you're into that, you might want to see it sometime. To me, this is not a movie that you need to run out to the theaters to see. You could certainly wait, unless you want to see it in 3D. But I've heard that that's it was an add-on for this movie, and that the 3D is is pretty pretty darn awful and and not really worth it at all. So I only saw it. I didn't see it in 3D. I saw it in 2D. So. That is my take on the Green Hornet, uh, although I think it's been making some money, so who, who knows what'll happen about with this? Uh, you know, they Seth Rogen certainly has a lot of fans out there, and, and this I could see this movie appealing to maybe some of the younger crowd or or his fans more. I, I like his stuff actually; I enjoy most of his movies. I just don't think this was really a, a good fit for him. But so I uh, just to show that I don't like everything. <laughs> You know, one of the reasons I think I do kind of like most things that I see is I'm pretty selective and careful, and I end up going to see or watch stuff that I think I will enjoy. You know, in other words, things that, you know, have my interest, comic books, sci-fi, fantasy movies, especially that kind of stuff. So I have a, you know, kind of a predisposition to like it. And But for this movie, eh, just it, it just fell sh- uh, pretty short for me. So what else uh, this past week? Uh, a couple other things, something, I guess this isn't really sci-fi or fantasy. Well, maybe in a way it is, but I just thought I would mention it quickly. I, I actually watched it, uh, the other day, Piranha. They remade this Piranha movie from, uh, I don't know when the first one came out, in the 70s maybe? Something like that. Anyway, there was a movie uh, remake of it uh, that came out, I think it was during last summer, and it had been getting kind of okay reviews. And it was actually out in when it was in the theaters in 3D, of course. 
Elizabeth Shue stars in this, who I always liked in, in, in the stuff I've seen her in. Jerry O'Connell is in it. Christopher Lloyd is in it. Uh, Richard Dreyfus even has a, a, a little bit of a cameo. If you want a schlocky, you know, kind of, you know, terror on the lake kind of movie uh, with a lot of blood and guts and people getting chewed up, uh, go see Piranha or, or rent it or whatever. Uh, it is certainly a schlock fest. It has really nothing more to it than that. Uh, it, there's some pretty gross stuff. There's certainly some language. I think I'm. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I know it's rated R because uh, there's some nudity and a lot of other things like uh, related to the piranhas attacking these swimmers. There, there's basically a, a spring break for college going on in this lake, and that's where the piranhas show up. So, <laughs> but sometimes I get in the mood to see something silly and dumb like that, and, and it pretty much was that. So, uh, let's go back to or let's go over shift over to television for the past week. Uh, uh, some shows that uh, I'm watching and that have come back after the break, kind of after the holiday break. Uh, a few things. The uh, the one that uh, had a few episodes now. I think we've had you know the pilot and a, a one single episode uh, is the Cape, which is on NBC on Monday nights. I'm still enjoying this show. I'll continue to enjoy it. I, I think there is still a lot of potential. It's interesting. There is sort of a uh, maybe an arch nemesis that showed up in last week's episode for The Cape. Uh, so I, I recommend this show to you guys. Uh, give it a shot if you haven't yet. I believe you should be able to see catch up on, on Hulu if you can get Hulu where you're at. Uh, I'm sure there's other ways to do it if you're in a foreign land uh, outside the States or whatever. Uh, but it's a good show. It's, it, it's really uh, fun, and I don't think there's a lot uh, of other shows like it on television. It has a very comic book feel to it. I think I talked about this a bit last week, so I won't say a whole lot more. Uh, but it's on Monday nights, NBC. Uh, the other uh, couple of shows that I've seen this past week that I enjoyed, No Ordinary Family, it is continues to be a fun show. I, I think this show is... is different and unique it's superheroed family uh you know that's that's using their powers to hopefully help people as much as they can uh but of course things bad you know bad things happen and strange stuff happens last week's episode was really good the um the main uh, the main guy in the show michael chiklis who plays him who is uh jim powell on the show uh he works at a police uh station he's a, a sketch artist and of course, he has superpowers. He's super strong. He's he's much like the thing was when he played that in the Fantastic Four. And uh, during this uh, recent episode, the there are some bad guys that get a hold of some weapons and sort of take hostages and hold the police station hostage. And it, they sort of do a little riff on Die Hard, where he's trying to take these guys out without revealing his powers and all. And there's other stuff that's going on in the episode, but it's it, it's a fun show. And uh, I think each episode they just get a little bit more interesting, a little bit better with it. And uh, give it a shot if you haven't yet. Uh, what else this week? Two other things I wanted to say. The Big Bang Theory was back on again with a new episode. They've had a couple, I think, since the new year started. And, and uh, congratulations, of course, to Jim Parsons, who won the uh, Golden Globe for, uh, I guess it's comedy uh, actor, co TV comedy actor, main, or lead, or whatever they want to, however they categorize that, but lead in a comedy show, I think. It, it's uh, well-deserved. He, he certainly has shined on that show as Sheldon. And uh, the show is always funny. And it's been renewed for three more seasons, which I'm just still shocked about that. Uh, TV, you know, they don't do that. Every episode, it seems like they're ready to, to cancel a show, even a show that's getting good ratings. 
you know, they're ready there with the X. But to renew a, se- a series for three three more seasons, I think, is the first time I've ever heard that happen before. So congrats to the Big Bang Theory. Uh, the last thing I want to mention and talk about was uh, the newest uh, episode of Fringe. Fringe came back. It is now on. It's on Fox. It's on Friday nights, at least in the States. Uh, and uh, this show is just you know, has continued to be great. I think the show, even when it started, was good. But the last season or so, or season and a half maybe this year and, and, and into last year, have just been fantastic with this sort of parallel world thing going on. Uh, the actors, the story, and, and this most recent episode was just so interesting, so well done. I don't want to say too much about it if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but Christopher Lloyd also guest starred. Uh, it must have been Christopher Lloyd week for me. I saw him on in the movie Piranha and saw him on uh, Fringe. Uh, he guested as as a character that becomes involved with the Fringe team, and it's just just a, uh, an awesome show. J.J. Abrams, uh, you know, is is the guy who uh, I guess one of the guys who started this series. And of course, everyone knows who listens to Treks and Sci Fi out there how much I like J.J. and since he worked uh, on you know a lot of different TV series and did this the Trek movie and is doing the next one, it's just uh, I, I think he just makes some great entertainment. He's got that Super Eight movie coming out next summer. Uh, it's just uh, infringed. Just you should really be seeing this if you've never given it a shot. Uh, you know, get caught up, get the episodes. I, I promise you, you'll find it a fascinating, fun show to watch and, and just very interesting and. Great, great cast, uh, fantastic group of people on the show. So I can't say enough uh, good things about Fringe. Everyone, uh, li- li- you know, should be watching. Even even non-sci-fi fans, I think, would enjoy this show. And, and people have always said about it, it's, it, it's X-Files-like, and it, it really isn't that much. They they run into bizarre things, but there's there's this whole other storyline going on with the with the, the the parallel Earth and and just the characters, the relationships, and, and things going on in this show that never really happened in X-Files. And, you know, I loved X-Files, but they are really different shows. There are, of course, some things that are similar to a degree, but it, it is not the same show by any means. So, you know, don't think, oh, I saw X-Files, that's just the same thing. It, it is not uh, that. It's much different, or it's, it's, it's plenty different enough to watch it, I guess, is the best way to put it, so... Um, I think that's about mostly what I wanted to cover of what I've been seeing lately in my comments. You guys are always welcome to send in your comments about movies, TV, books, comics, whatever you've got, uh, uh, you know, that you've been seeing lately. TrekSF at gmail.com is always the email to use for that. And speaking of that, we have a little report here from our buddy Rick Moyer. Rick recently was able to see the uh, second Star Trek movie, The Wrath of Khan, on the big screen again, and he's got a little audio uh, report for us about that. So I'm going to play that now, and then after that I will come back and we will get into A Fistful of Datas. Hey Rico and everybody at Trex and Sci-Fi, this is Rick Moyer. I had the privilege of this last Friday of going to an old movie theater called the 7th Street Theater in Hoquim, Washington, and watching Wrath of Khan on the big screen. It was so nostalgic and so fun, and I thought I'd play a a couple quick clips from some folks that were at the show, just for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. Okay, here we are, actually at the 7th Street Theater in Hoquim, Washington, and we're going to watch Wrath of Khan, 
Star Trek II on the big screen. And with me is... Joe Brand. Joe, you look like you are a Star Trek fan. You've got a Paramount jacket. You're sitting in front of some movies that are Star Trek movies that are from your personal collection. Yes. Actually, the Star Trek movies are donated by Phil Luce, the coffee cup, the pen, some of the items for tomorrow night were all coming out of my personal collection. That's fantastic. So how long have you been a Star Trek fan? Uh, since as long as I can remember. Oh. I, I watched the cartoons when I was growing up. I watched the original series. I remember going and seeing the original movie when it came out, all 27 hours of it. It was long, especially the special effects of V'ger. It was pretty... Especially when you're seven. <laughs> well, that's true. So, so tell me, what do you think about putting Wrath of Khan all the way back from 1982 on the big screen once again? What, what does that make you feel like? This was my idea. Well, I would like to come over the top of this table and give you a hug because that is rocking. Well, thank you very much. I managed to convince uh, the rest of the people by saying that I would donate the raffle items out of my collection. That is just fantastic. So we're very, very excited. Thank you so much for making it happen. And I'm sure our listeners will be very excited. Uh, this is going to go out on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast on Sunday. And I'm sure a lot of people will get a kick out of this. And, and uh, how did you go about convince? I mean, did you? are you part of a committee? or? I am part of the movie committee for the 7th Street Theater. So if people wanted to play like a Star Trek movie in their own hometown, where would, where, how could they do that? You have to get licensed through Paramount. Okay. It's, and it's, it's a long, drawn-out process. I heard they tried to get Star Wars, uh, you know, mentioned Star Wars at the same time as Star Trek, but, but Lucas wasn't too thrilled about giving the rights up. George Lucas wants the financials for everybody on the board of directors for the last seven years. Well, okay. Well, that says that, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm not giving mine up. <laughs> well, I just, I'm just thrilled that we're having Star Trek on the big screen. I, I heard a little rumor that you're, you're kind of wanting to do something very special and not only uh, not stop with Wrath of Khan, but perhaps more? If I have my way, every January we're going to show a Star Trek movie until we run out of the even ones because even numbered Trek movies don't suck. I agree, and uh, I will be here for every single one of those. Cannot wait until we, we get to see the voyage home on the big screen again. I'll never forget that. You know what's so special about tonight for me? This night, I'm at the same theater that I watched it in 1982 at. Lucky you. That is just way cool for me. So this is nostalgic and exciting all at the same time. So thanks for everything. No problem. Enjoy the movie. Thank you. That was great. Okay, so we just got out of the amazing showing of the Wrath of Khan on the big screen, Star Trek II, and standing with me, two of my friends, Jed and Megan. Jed, what did you think of seeing Wrath of Khan on the big screen again? Oh, it was awesome, of course. You know, uh, best, in my opinion, the best of the uh, Star Trek movies. Uh, and, uh, you know, to see it on the big screen, it was awesome, especially in an old historic theater like this. Brought back a lot of memories. And to to be uh, able to share it with my daughter was awesome. Okay, now, what is this I hear that you've really not watched any Star Trek really at all? Oh, that, that's so, that's such a diss. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of true. I've watched only probably 20 of the original series episodes because I've, wow. you know, it, it's bad. But then I watched some deep space, deep, um, deep space che- cheesy Deep yep. Space Nine with my dad and stuff, and then some other stuff. It? Yes, you showed me. And so, so, so what was it like for you tonight to sit in a, an old movie theater, the big screen comes up, and 
There it is, Kirk and Spock and McCoy all on the big screen. What, what did it feel like to you? It felt really cool. Like, I guess this is kind of a disrespect, like reliving history, I guess. And so um, it just felt really geeky. And I got so, like, I earned a lot of my geek cred back. In my you back. did. You, you earned a bunch of points tonight on your because, geek cred. You know, I told my dad about this showing, so, and he didn't know about it. And how did you hear about it? On Facebook. From your post. <laughs> ah, see, this, the, the worm turns full circle, yeah. doesn't it now? Well, that's pretty cool. All right, well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, and uh, I, I hope they bring back more movies like yeah, this. definitely. That would be great. Thanks for talking to me. No problem. <laughs> that was great. Sherry, what did you think of, of the showing of Wrath of Khan? I loved it. I'm a total geek, and I love to watch all these sci-fi shows. I remember... I watched this when I was probably 15 the first time. Yeah, we were that age, weren't we? Yeah, pretty exciting. Well, I was a sophomore in high school, I think, when it came out. So yeah. we'd be around the same. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. I had yeah. a great time. That's very, very cool. So th- thanks for coming to the show tonight. Thank yeah. you. A lot of fun. Yeah. All right, great. Well, there you go, Rico. Just a little report from the showing of the Wrath of Khan on the big screen. This is Rick Moyer signing off. Have a great rest of the podcast, Rico. Well, that's awesome, Rick. I'm so happy that you got a chance to see that, and it's so uh, you know so grateful for the report. Uh, you know that that kind of stuff doesn't happen too much anymore. You know, the theaters just are showing you know the latest blockbusters or maybe not blockbusters even, and and the you know the, these small theaters, these these you know you I know it's a historic theater there near you in Washington. It's just uh, it's just great that they do that. I'd love to be able to have a a little theater somewhere and 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 show the kind of movies that I'd like to show you know maybe once a week on a Saturday night show some classic sci-fi uh, you know film and and that it's interesting what you see what those guys said about Star Wars and being able to to show that on the big screen being so difficult and so hard to do you know even though the thing has been released on video so many different times and is coming out on blu-ray at the uh, later this year and <clears throat> excuse me and I think September and uh, speaking of that, Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars have been fantastic the last few weeks. Make sure you watch that and get caught up on that, too. They've been really great. Uh, lots of fun to see and, and so much more interesting than the early part of this season. Uh, just uh, it, It's really been fun to watch. But, uh, again, thanks, Rick, for your report. I, I hope you guys get a chance to see more Trek movies there and, and other cool things. It's just uh, fantastic, and, and I'm so happy that... Uh, People got a chance to do that. So, and thanks for uh, you know recording. And Rick also put up some some pictures and a little bit of video on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. So, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about his uh, you know time seeing the Wrath of Khan, Khan, <laughs> I can't do the Shatner thing. Too early on Sunday for that. Anyway, the he's got that all up on uh, the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. And we've got some new mem- members going over there and lots of fun things always, lots of cool, uh, you know, just lots of good conversation about lots of different topics. So, so check us out. Okay, I am going to now get into a fistful of datas. I will talk uh, as the episode is played in the background. I'm trying to balance this out a little bit better. Please bear with me, uh, and I will hope to give you enough to be able to listen to the episode and then also hear my voice at, you know, about the same time. It's a tricky little balance to, to do that, but we will see what we can do. So uh, stand by. Uh, a Fistful of Natus is coming up. Captain's log. 
Stardate 46271.5. The Enterprise has entered orbit of Deinonychus 7, but our scheduled rendezvous with the supply ship Biko has been delayed for another 48 hours. In the meantime, many members of the crew are taking advantage of the delay to pursue their own projects, myself included. So we've got uh, Picard here practicing on his uh, Rysikin. Is that how you say it? That flute that he picked up from the Inner Light episode? He's in his uh, quarters and uh, obviously. Change the clarinet to an oboe. Continue recording. Computer. Pause playback. Come! Ah, always getting interrupted, the captain. You know, so busy, yes, so important. Captain, we'd like your permission to take the engineering computer offline for a couple of hours. We're working on a new interface that would allow data to act as an emergency backup in the event of a shipwide system's failure. Always have backups. Theory, you know, that's important. Should be able to sustain key systems until primary control is restored. Hmm. It sounds like an intriguing experiment. I'll be interested to see the results. Permission granted. It's possible we might even be able to run some secondary systems through data. Weapons control, sensor... Yes, I get the idea, Miss LaForge. Thank you. Please proceed. Now get out. I'm practicing my flute, okay? I want to play my flute. Get out. Begin playback from the first measure. He's got his gray, kind of gray-blue tunic on, Picard does in this uh, part of the episode here. I always like that. I thought that that suited him real well. Oh, now it's Dr. Crusher with something. I need to talk to you about something for breakfast. Breakfast? The play. Ah, yes. Well, it's, uh, it's a very intriguing drama, but I really don't have the time it would take to learn a part. And, uh, anyway, I'm not much of an actor. That's no problem. Oh, oh, Patrick, you're so funny. Well, you wouldn't be playing one of the leads. Oh. <laughs> it's a very small part, only two lines. Really? It's the role of the butler. Well, I'll think about it and let you know. <laughs> what? I'm not playing the lead? I'm the you captain. Come on. Luke. Uh, that's pretty good. I like that. We're rehearsing today at 1.30. And it's cool that they worked in Gates McFadden's kind of theater uh, background here, you know, her organizing this play for the crew. From the first measure. Since she was involved a lot in theater and dance and everything. Computer pause recording. Yes! (laughs) Now it's Worf. I am sorry to interrupt. No, please, Mr. Worf, come in. I was hoping to take advantage of the Beagle's delay by staging shipwide security drills. I have planned a tentative schedule. Oh, yes, this is very impressive, Mr. Worf. But we'll be taking on new personnel at Starbase 118 in a few weeks. Surely the drills can wait until then. In that case, I will use the time to perform maintenance checks on the forward phaser array. Mr. Worf. Mr. Worf, you need to relax, man. Is there some reason why you're trying to give yourself more work? No, sir. I simply wish to use the extra time. Enjoy yourself. You have the free time. Use it. Yes, I am a Cleon. I do not you, relax. I do not take vacations. What are you thinking? <laughs> they kind of redress uh, Picard's area here. And play back once more. A little different too in this season. From the top. This is, of course, uh, we've got. Uh, this is season six. This episode occurs in Fistful of Datas. Father! 
Oh, now we have Alexander playing his little say? large video game here in Worf's quarters. The captain saw fit to release me from my duties. You mean you can go? I can go. And Alexander just puts this uh, big uh, Western-style hat on Worf's head. Alright, we'll dial this down a little bit and uh, for the opening theme here. Let me give you, uh, try to give you some background on this episode. Uh, you know, the usual information and all that. This episode, again, was from Season 6... It is. I gotta pull up my information Space, here. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, season six it's first aired on November seventh, nineteen ninety-two. This episode was uh, the story by Robert Hewitt Wolf, who uh, worked on that Gene Roddenberry series Andromeda, and the teleplay by him and Bronin Braga. And the interesting thing about this episode, one of the many interesting things, is the episode was directed by Patrick Stewart. Uh, this is one of the... I think he did maybe a few, a handful of episodes for TNG. I don't know if this was the first one he directed. I don't think it was, but I'd have to check. Uh, but anyway, uh, Patrick Stewart directed this, which is kind of cool and kind of interesting when you think about it because it's sort of a Western-styled episode, and Patrick being... Uh, British and, and, you know, Buddy, of course, he's an actor, and I, I know he's familiar with Westerns and that and, and everything, but I, I just thought, but the, probably the biggest or the a good part of that reason is that the episode does not feature Captain Picard a huge amount, you know, he doesn't have a lot of scenes in this episode, so it gives him a little more freedom to, uh, to do this episode. It really focuses mostly on uh, Worf and Alexander and, and Counselor Troy on the holodeck. And, of course, Brent Spiner is Data. I don't know how why I didn't say that at first. <laughs> now uh, the scene's open. We're back in the episode, and it's uh, on a Western-styled uh, set. And you, uh, this episode of the filming was done on a Universal excuse me, Universal Studios backlot they used to film this episode, and now you've got a guy walking up in, in with spurs and uh, a shorter guy next to him. Got some great music in this episode, too. Where are we? Deadwood. 19th century Earth. The ancient West. What is our function here? You are the sheriff? And I'm the deputy. So, we are in law enforcement. Right. <clears throat> anyway, we have, uh, uh, you know, another episode here featuring the holodeck quite a bit. And now we've got, we're back to where uh, Jordy and uh, Data are working on this interface with him in the computers. Mm -hmm. I have noticed that you have not shaved. Are you attempting to grow another beard? As a matter of fact, I am, Data. What do you think? As is the case with many natural growth processes, it is difficult to envision the end product based on an intermediate stage. You're right. 
Give it a few more days. Okay, I'm gonna need to access your auxiliary inputs. One moment. I must admit, Data, I never get used to seeing you like this. I do not understand. You are constantly working on similar electronic systems, yet their appearances do not disturb you. Yeah, but you're not just another electronic system. Thank you, Jordy. Nor are you just another biological organism. <laughs> All right, that should do it. You ready? Yes. Establishing computer link up. Interface complete. All right. Let's see what you can do. The title here, A Fistful of Data, is, of course, is a, a, is a throw or a kind of a play program yourself. on A Fistful well, of... Mr. Barkley helped a little. Must have a little talk with Mr. Barclay. Oh, that reference there was they see a saloon girl and, and Worf asks his son that, you know, you wrote this program by yourself with this kind of sexy saloon girl, and, and you know, and they learned Barclay was behind it too. I find the vermin that drew this. But anyway, a fistful of data is. is I'll say it here in a minute. This is kind of a loud part. You laugh so much, it's wonder you ain't got flies in your mouth. <laughs> There's a Clint Eastwood movie called A Fist Full of Dollars, so they kind of played on that. Actually, it was originally going to be called The Good, The Bad, That's and The Klingon. The His name's Eli Hollander. They call him the Butcher of Bozeman. He's killed 23 men. He's the meanest and the toughest gunslinger in the West. You have to watch him. He's fast. So I am here to apprehend him. If you can. Now, Worf's a pretty big guy, so under arrest. he's uh, pretty imposing in his little yes. sheriff's outfit. And he just slugs this guy and knocks him down in one punch. No, no, no! Computer, freeze program. What is wrong? That was too easy. It has to be harder to beat the bad guys. Otherwise, it's no fun. Computer, increase program difficulty to level four. Go back to where my father and I first walked into the saloon. Come on, father. Yeah, so the first time, of course, they're a little too easy, and, uh, you know, Alexander decides to reset things. It's Brian uh, Bonsall again who plays Alexander here. Ten times I'll get in that, ain't I? Shut up. You laugh so much, it's wonder you ain't got flies in your mouth. Funny man, Senor Eli. The guy playing Eli Hollander here is John Piper Ferguson. He shows up as kind of a bad guy in a lot of different things that I've seen. 
Now a wharf and Alexander walk in, sheriff and deputy. They don't want to get hit by the bullets. You are under arrest. Well, looks like Sheriff Wharf's here to arrest me. And the guy kind of ignores him, goes over to the bar, pours a drink. That don't sound like a bright idea. been accused of committing a homicide if you mean murder then i guess i'm guilty i've killed 23 men sheriff one more ain't gonna make much of a difference of course shooting someone as ugly as you couldn't be considered a crime could it was you born that way or is your mama marry an armadillo <laughs> Sheriff, look out! I'm beginning to see the appeal of this program. <laughs> Don't twitch a whisker, Sheriff. Lest you want to shave. Okay, boys. Saddle up! But first, get their money and jewelry. You are a murderer and a thief. Man's gotta make a living. I suggest you find a new line of work. I asked Counselor Troy to join us. She loves Western stories. You regret this, stranger. Yeah, so Troy just shows up, shoots the hat off this guy, and uh, walks in on the bar there. I am now attempting to access the long-range sensor array. Forward sensor array coming online. We're getting a clear scan. I will perform a routine maintenance check on the starboard inertial damping system. Dampers online. Maintenance check in progress. Ed, I think we're onto something here. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Try gravitational control. Initiating gravity. What's wrong? There appears to be an energy fluctuation in my neural net. I am disconnecting my interface to the computer. Interface deactivated. experienced a brief power surge in my positronic subprocessor, but I am fine. Maybe the interface coding isn't as stable as we thought. It's like we've got a couple of hours of systems analysis before we can try this again. Let's check the interface programming.
Data just flips his tricorder like a, a six-gun and, and puts it in his little tricorder holder on his belt. So there's obviously some connection, something going on between him and this uh, Western hol holodeck program going. What are his rights in this century? Is there a, a trial, or shall I execute him? We're supposed to hold him till the U.S. Marshal comes, and then we'll take him to Rapid City for a trial. Frankly... I don't think I'd be around here that long. Not after my old man hears about this. What old man are you referring to? My pa. When he breaks me out of this tin can, Gravedigger be working overtime. Your pa is no match for Sheriff Worf. Yes. When your pa comes, we will be ready for him. <laughs> <coughs> He's right. You're no match for the Hollanders. I am sure that the three of us can handle any problems. Hold on. I was just passing through town, saw a little trouble, and thought I'd lend a hand. But I ain't one of your deputies, Sheriff. I guess Marina Sirtis was uh, tried to blow smoke circles here and, and look in this tougher, matter. and Michael Dorn told Durango. her not to. I'm called Durango. Yes, uh, Counselor Durango. Perhaps you would consider becoming a temporary deputy. For a price. <laughs> $500. Alexander, we require large amounts of currency. Yes, sir. I'll go to the bank and make a withdrawal. <laughs> Diana. How do you know so much about this period in Earth's history? My father used to read me stories from the ancient West when I was a little girl. I must admit, I always wanted to play the part of the mysterious stranger. <laughs> you are so brave and down that evil man like you did. Why, thank you, Ms. Annie, you big galoot. You best not forget that tonight, because I'm going to make you a beefsteak and some gooseberry cobbler for dessert. Sounds delicious. <laughs> and I bought some special candles for the table setting. Pure beeswax. I will not be able to come this evening. I have a prisoner. I'll keep an eye on him for you, Sheriff. You two go have a good time. That's very considerate of you, but I would be negligent in my duties if I did not stay. I am sorry, Miss Annie. It's another woman, ain't it? It's that floozy down there at Miss Langford's house of pleasure. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Worf. Such a smoothie with the ladies. He sure got away with women, Sheriff. So back up on the Enterprise, or we're still on the Enterprise, Computer I guess it's all there. Card Mozart Trio, Program 1. Playback tracks 1, 2, and 3. Tempo Allegro.
Computer, stop playback. Computer, identify musical composition. Picard Mozart Trio, program one. Well, the computer's uh, having a little bit of a malfunction okay. here, I'd say. Let's work through Act Two from the beginning. So now we're at Beverly's uh, little play rehearsal. Riker is there, a couple other people we don't really know. Uh... Whenever you're ready. Felis Catus, is your taxonomic nomenclature an endothermic quadruped? Carnivorous by nature? Hold it. Will, what are you reading? The lines, why? That's not the right dialogue. Your visual, olfactory, and auditory senses contribute to I recognize it. This is Data's poetry. <laughs> the play is gone. I just keep getting more poetry. Yeah, you should have, you know, backed up that hard drive on the Enterprise, I'd say. Yeah. Well, pads are functioning normally. Oh, they've got pads on the Enterprise. Are they iPads? Somehow when you tried to call up your play, the computer access data's literary files. Jordy, perhaps this problem is related to our interface. I think Steve Jobs was like a big TNG fan. Is that where it all came from? See if this problem is spread to any other systems. And I will perform a self-diagnostic. That's a good idea. You will let me know if you find the play. Oh yeah, don't worry. It's in here somewhere. So we've got some computer malfunctions. Now we're back on the holodeck. Alexander's got a bag full of money. Walking back uh, to the sheriff's office. But... Doesn't quite make it. The guy grabs him and pulls him aside. didn't work. Hey, computer freeze program. You want us to kill him, Senor Frank? No. He's more valuable to us. Alive. And now we've got Data in black here that uh, he looks like a bad guy and acts like a bad guy. <laughs> and, you know, the most fun about this episode is... Supplement 127 is we get to see these actors in, in much different roles, which is always fun on, on Star Trek. I have formulated a new mixture of foods specifically designed for your highly selective tastes. <laughs> Brent and the cat, which which he always talks in at, at conventions about how these cats are just impossible to work with. I find it extremely difficult to predict what you will find acceptable. Perhaps hunger will compel you to try it again. Yeah, that's what I always say with pets. If they don't want to eat it, they'll eat it if they get hungry enough, you know. Cats can be a little finicky. Dogs, not so much. Spot. 
You are disrupting my ability to work. Vamoose, you little varmint. Ah, again, so Data exhibiting signs of the West and in the, uh, not, you know, in the holodeck, outside the holodeck even, and obviously there was some spillover when he was connected to the computer system. kind of wonder why Worf doesn't wonder at this point, you know, why Alexander isn't back yet from going to get money at the bank. I mean, it's, how long would that really take? Will it be? I was looking for my deputy. Perhaps you have seen him. Ah, here we go, yes. Nope. What do you have? Um. Klingon fire wine. <laughs> this ain't Kansas City. We ain't got none of that fancy European stuff here. <laughs> Sent the hall, you've sent the hall. Sherry. Ain't that what they serve at Miss Langford's? It is, ain't it? Ain't it? <laughs> and now the man in black data walks in. Or I think he's Frank Hollander in this, is that right? Yeah. Howdy, Sheriff. Commander, what are you doing here? The name is Frank Hollander. What are you looking at? Nothing. Nothing at all, Mr. Hollander. What do you want? My boy. That is impossible. Your son is to stand trial for murder. Well then, we'll just have to work something out. Is there anything you want in exchange for my boy? You have nothing I want. Is that so? Well, maybe he does, huh? Is that so? What about your deputy? What about him? Where is he? I do not negotiate with criminals. Your son will stand trial. Not so fast. Commander, what are you doing? I ain't in the mood for games, Sheriff. Data grabs Worf on the shoulder for pulls him aside and kind of Commander? hurts him a little. Computer freeze program. I wouldn't walk out that door if I was you, Sheriff. So Worf dives out the bar doors and, and just uh, barely makes it out of there. Holodeck safeguards are not functioning. Alexander's in trouble. 
my God, you've been shot. Computer end program. Troy to Captain Picard. Troy to security. There's another character in the program. Hollander's father. And he looks like Commander Data. Data? But it is not Data. I, I cannot explain. Troy's wrapping up his uh, shoulder or arm wound here. Oh, now isn't that a shame? Poor Sheriff's been injured. What's the matter? Was my paw a little too rough on you? <laughs> and now Data, Data's uh, image has replaced the Hollander that's in jail now, Data? too. What? Why is the computer creating characters that look like Data? Where have they taken my son? Where is he? Temper, temper, Sheriff. My pa ain't gonna like it if I come home all bruised. Worf, wait! We have to remember, even though the holodeck safeguards may be off, this is still a program. If we can just get to the end of this story the way it was designed to play out, the program will automatically terminate. You are right. I will begin by speaking to the people of this town. Perhaps somebody witnessed Alexander's abduction. Captain's log supplemental. Command LaForge and Mr. Data believe they have found the cause of the mysterious malfunctions which have been plaguing the ship. We think our interface experiment may have caused one of the computer's core subroutines to be altered. When the interface malfunction occurred, subroutine C-47 was replaced by elements from my personal programming. What does C-47 Well, call? whoops, Library, come on. Library, computer access, replicator selection, recreational programming, no critical systems. That would explain why your music composition program began playing the Slavonic dances. I've been analyzing the collected works of Anton Dvorak. It's the same with Dr. Crusher's play, and with the food replicators. The replicators on decks four through nine are producing nothing but cat food. Cat food? I've been formulating nutritional supplements for Spot. <laughs> when can you correct the problem? We are currently we need some more food than athletes. cat food. I reckon the process should take less than two hours. What did you say? I said the process should take less than two hours. No, you said, I reckon. According to my memory logs, I did not use those words. Y'all must be mistaken. There, Data, you did it again. Did what? Uh, Mr. LaForge, perhaps you should take Mr. Data to engineering, see if you can find the problem. I see. Data's walking funny now and spits on the floor. <laughs> Great part. Brent Spiner just has a blast with this, you can tell.
Troy's watching the uh, Hollander who looks like Data in the cell uh, shuffle cards really quickly like Data does when they play poker. Can I help you with something? Several witnesses who saw Alexander being abducted as he was leaving the bank by one of Hollander's men. We must begin a systematic search of the town. Worf, we've got another problem. I saw Eli playing cards. He was shuffling the way Data does when he plays poker. He doesn't just look like Data, he has Data's abilities. Which means his father probably does also. Also, you'll, one thing you'll notice in this episode is... Take a good uh, look at that gun, Sheriff. You might be seeing it again real soon. Is uh, Brent, uh, as the different characters, he, he gives Worf his gun there and he pulls it off his left hip because uh, Brent's left-handed in real life. So they use that in this episode. Up on me fierce. Don't you worry, boy. Sheriff's gonna pay. Who's the stranger? I don't know. She ain't said her name. She's in cahoots with the sheriff, and she's mighty mean with that Winchester. You sit tight, boy. I'll have you home in time for supper. Yeah, for a while ago, you know, they do a pretty good job with the multiple screens in this and showing data one more opportunity, talking sheriff, to himself. To avoid a ugly situation. Release my boy. I have reconsidered your offer. I will release your son in exchange for my deputy. I thought you might have a change of heart. Meet me in two hours. You be in front of the saloon. I'll be in front of the livery stable. Strangers ain't invited. Agreed. In every Western I've ever read, the villains always break their word. He can't be trusted. But we have made an honorable agreement. <laughs> Worf, no. I'm not concerned with honor, Worf. This is the ancient West. There's a gunfighter out there who has the speed and accuracy of an android. And in two hours, he's going to try to kill you. That's probably not so good, right? Yeah. I also noticed while I'm watching this how uh, there's some different scenes and, and different angles and things used in this. Uh, Patrick Stewart's directing influence. Part of my memory structure was replaced with information from the computer's recreational database, specifically the files relating to the American 19th century West. I would explain the accent. You got it, Barner. 
this is a result of the experimental interface? I'm afraid so. But we've initiated a progressive memory purge to restore Data's programming to its original state. He should be back to normal in a couple of hours. And what about the computer's recreational database? We started a memory purge there as well. That should take another hour, maybe two. Commander? You just sit tight. We'll have this all fixed up in time for supper. Good. I will be positioned here at the eastern end of the street. Frank Hollander says he will approach from this end. When he reaches this point, he will be within range. Understood. What about Alexander? Now, there's a rain barrel in front of the saloon. It should be enough to stop the bullets. through to get old man Newsom to give up his telegraph machine. Excellent. Lord knows why I keep risking my life for you, Sheriff. Now Worf is working on one of their uh, comm badges here. Trying to get a signal out. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you, Miss Annie. I'm in your debt. Yeah, since I have I'm connected a... the communicator's energy cell to serve as the power source. How long will the field last? No more than 15 seconds. It is highly unstable. Let's hope it's enough. Oh, that's right. He's using that as a shield. That's right. That's what's coming up. I was going to say, uh, Spectre of the Gun from TOS, another Western-style Trek episode. A lot of fun. And this one, too. A Fistful of Datas. They've, uh, you know, Trek, you know, sprinkled in some Western, you know, things over the years, and it's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy Westerns. I saw True Grit over the holidays. Love that a lot. It's a great movie. And I think, you know, I did even a whole Western sci-fi podcast uh, a while back about how this, for some reason, you know, putting the Old West and, and, and sci-fi together seems to work. They've got that... Uh, movie next summer coming out called Cowboys and Aliens with uh, Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig Olivia Wilde, that looks fun so there's a long kind of history of putting these two things kind of really different elements together in, in, in different ways so it's, it's, it's always fun to see this kind of stuff and it, again, fun to see these actors playing their roles but in a different way so we've got Worf and his prisoner looking like Data. Now on the other end of the street is is the other uh, Data version as Frank Hollander with uh, Alexander next to him. And they each uh, release their hostages to sort of like do the usual walk across the street to each other. And now the fun part about this is all these different guys that are going to help out all look like Data. They're all planted around the street.
Now one of the guys on the roof throws Frank another gun, which he grabs out of the air. And Worf manages to shoot the gun out of his hand, which is pretty good. watching or thinking of shooting but uh, Alexander your face in this town again. is watching so he's not going to shoot him let's go Data is made up as the the lady who runs the saloon. You're as handy with a shooting iron as you are with a woman's heart. Computer, in program. <laughs> and he's running downstairs in this dress. Computer, now. Ah, now it finally works, so they're out of the program, back on the holodeck. Captain's log, Stardate 46278.3. Both Commander Data and the ship's computer have been restored to normal operation. Our rendezvous with the supply ship Biko has proceeded as planned. Now we're back in uh, Worf's quarters, and Alexander's there laying down, resting from his big adventure. Father? After what happened, I guess I'll never want to go back to the ancient west. The town of Deadwood may face danger once again. If they do, they will need a sheriff. And a deputy. Worf is slipping his uh, hat back on and looking at himself in the mirror. <laughs> Another thing about this episode is Marina was was really going to play the one of the saloon girls, not the mysterious stranger part originally, but they they let her play the uh, stranger, which I thought was much better. And that's it. Uh, there you go, a fistful of datas, Enterprise Z.
zooms off into the sunset, which is cool. You know, there's a you know very west ending to the episode itself. I'll kind of uh, probably dial down the credit music here. Yeah, it's, this is a great episode. A lot of fun to watch. You know, not nearly as intense, maybe, or as serious as a lot of other episodes in TNG. Just kind of fun. You know, you know, you always realize they're never really in that much danger. Probably. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brent Spiner and some of the extras for this says that he really enjoyed playing all the villains. He said though that he was pretty homely as the female uh, bartender uh, character. <laughs> And uh, what else can I tell you about this episode? Uh, I already mentioned the Fistful of Do- Dollars, which was, uh, you know, a spaghetti western because, you know, spaghetti westerns were uh, usually filmed in Italy, which was one of the reasons. Like I said, The Good, The Bad, the, and The Klingon was one of the original titles they were going to use for this. And uh, I think that's all I really needed to say. Uh Oh, Patrick Stewart mentioned that he uh, watched the uh, movie Shane to kind of prepare when he was getting ready to do this particular particular production. So uh, that's about it. I will uh, be back in a few moments. We've got a couple of uh, clips here to play. Uh, first up is Mike uh, Feathers on the forum. He's got some comments about a fistful of data. So listen to this. Hey, Rick. Mike from London. Um, Fistful of Data this week it was one I was thinking of making a comment on and then was thinking of not making a comment on and obviously I've come around to making a comment on. So the first memory of that story is, you know, fairly dismissive, oh look, it's another hologram one. Um, it's got the distinctive image, in my mind at least, associated with it of Worf in that, uh, I was going to say rather funny hat, I'm thinking of Alexander in the rather funny hat, Worf, Worf in the cowboy gear out to um, sort of have the shootout in the street with, well, data, for reasons that become obvious later. And that's all you think of it. So it's fairly easily dismissed as yet another holodeck episode. But going back and looking into a little bit of detail, of course, it it took it so much further than the classic TNG holodeck episode ever did, in that, in this case, where we're talking about the connection of the computer to data as, as being the cause for all the problems. It actually gave problems to the ship, wider than just the holodeck. So we aren't just talking about people stuck in a holodeck trying to get out. There are other things going on here. Um, so, you know, in my mind that's a plus point because holodeck, bottle holodeck episodes are fairly much one of the things of TNG that, that certainly a number of people feel have been overused. So I, I'm assuming that giving this wider impact was their attempt to overcome some of those criticisms that I guess were knocking around by that time. This being a, a season six episode and what relevance he has, I don't know, directed by Patrick Stewart. But the other thing that that came to mind, and the reason I'm really bothering to record this, is that it's a very interesting turnaround on the earlier, and I can't remember if it was season one or two, but the earlier story that, that brought the Professor Moriarty character into play. At that point, we had Geordie misspeaking and asking the computer for an opponent worthy of Data, rather than an opponent worthy of the Holmes character that Data was playing. And, you know, much chaos ensues as the computer goes and creates the um, the dastardly Moriarty in Data's image rather than in Holmes's image. Here, we're obviously not putting someone up against Data, but we're putting up a lot of characters with those very same abilities of Data, though I must admit more physical than mental, I think, in this story. 
and pitching that against Worf and, and those other members of the crew who happened to be in the holodeck. So, again, not anything of substance particularly, but it was it was interesting to have the nice switch around of having done holodeck versus data. We now effectively had holodeck data versus other people. And again, whether that was a deliberate switch or whether that was just something that fell out of the, the story writing, I don't know. But I thought it was interesting enough to worth sending you some words. And that's about it. So uh, thanks for looking at, at this one today. I'm looking ahead. I know you've got Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade coming up. Well, that was on TV on Thursday night, so I've just watched it. So hopefully I'll be able to put some sort of coherent thought together on that one for you later on. But until then, cheers. Well, thanks very much for your comments, Mike. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I think I mentioned that a couple of times when I was watching it. But yeah, it is a good thing that's uh, different and interesting about this is the the spillover of, you know, the holodeck, of course, being messed up has been done uh, quite a few times on, on TNG. And and it, it the idea that there is this change in, in the computer affecting outside of the holodeck is, is very interesting and especially affecting the way data is outside of it with he picks up uh, the, you know, mannerisms and the speech patterns of the Old West and all that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, and I like the way that they did that. This is just, again, it's it's just a fun episode. I think the uh, ladies over at Anomaly, the Anomaly podcast, just recently looked at this one, too. Uh, so that's kind of a you know, cool coincidence there. I know they're a fan of this, and uh, I think especially Angela loves it a lot. So next up, I've got some comments, and I think he's got a song in here, too, for us. So... Uh, here is Rick Moyer and another awesome song for all of you and some comments about A Fistful of Datas. And right after that, I'll come back with some brief words and wrap up the show. Hey, Rico, it's Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington, Moyer777 on the forums and the co-host of Take Him With You, the podcast. Brought my guitar with me today because you're doing uh, TNG's uh, episode, Fistful of Datas, and you got to have a little country. What do you think? Well, anyway, <laughs> I really actually like this episode quite a bit. Um, I think probably because anytime you got the the holodeck going and you got um, you got the characters into this this uh, genre of of like uh, you know the the old west, it, it was just really cool to see them interact. I know the uh, original series did that the OK Corral episode, you know. Um, where they shot it out with Wyatt Earp and everybody. And then Enterprise did that one really cool one where they found the planet that was all done Western-wise. And that was cool. I don't think Voyager or Deep Space Nine did anything like that. I'm not sure. I don't remember anything like that. And I'm not sure if the cartoon ever did any Western stuff. But anyway, I just thought it was a really funny episode. And especially when we get to see Brent Spiner play several different characters... I always like that because I just I love his acting anyway. And so when you get to see him, you know, be on the screen with himself and interact and do all those different characters, it's always a blast. So I wrote a parody song for everybody. Uh, I didn't write the song. I just did a parody of Charlie Daniels' The Devil Went Down to Georgia. This one I think you'll really enjoy. It's called When Data Was Linked Up by Geordie. So let me know what you think. Treks in sci-fi, you... Everybody here rocks. Enjoy the, the song. I think you will.
Captain, we'd like your permission to take the engineering computer offline for a couple of hours. We're working on a new interface that would allow data to act as an emergency backup in the event of a shipwide system's failure. In theory, my neural network should be able to sustain key systems until primary control is restored. When data was linked up by Jordy, they were looking for a backup live. He would be used neural network fused, a fancy space hard drive. When Warp barges into the captain's room and tries to make it work a lot, and the captain puts down his flute and says, Warp, let me tell you what. It's time for a vacation, and I know you need one too. So stop your work, quit being a jerk. Boy, don't make me order you. Now you work hard like a warrior boy, but you live with someone else too. I bet a fella not old against your code wants to spend some time with you. The boy says, I've got it all planned out with Barkley, it might be a wreck. Let's see who we arrest in the ancient west on the Enterprise hollow deck. Data link your neural net and Jordy tell the car. The system has been overloaded, data's name is R. And if we turn the holodeck off before the story's done, then we lose the father and the son. Sheriff Orb got his first case, said you're coming with me, you know. Eli knew what he's gonna do, said, better let me go. He smirked at them in his jail cell and said with an evil hiss, my paw be joined by a band of thugs and then all sounds something like this. <laughs> You're a very funny man, Senor Eli. Got him, Jefe. Where's my boy? supposed to be kidnapped now. Computer, please program. You want us to kill him, Senor Frank? No. He's more valuable to us. In the local saloon, Senior Frankie said, Sheriff, give me back my son. Worf says no, but where's the deputy to go? The kidnap has been done. Problem in the core of the main machine. Trouble in the holiday subroutine. Data showing up as the characters do. Can't fix the program, what do we do? Data? What? Why is the computer creating characters that look like Data? Where have they taken my son? Where is he? Temper, temper, Sheriff. My pa ain't gonna like it if I come home all bruised. Wolf, wait! Counselor Durango helped Sheriff Orff make a little trade. Meeting in the street, it was really neat, and he wasn't even afraid. Turning on a shield, he saves the day. Says, never come back, now get. Miss Annie hugs Warp and the Enterprise flies off into the sunset. Come to the door to make the machine. Trouble my holiday subroutine. Day showing up as the characters do. Can't fix the program, what do we do? We have to remember, even though the holodeck safeguards may be off, this is still a program. If we can just get to the end of this story the way it was designed to play out, the program will automatically terminate. You're right. Vamoose, you little varmint. Oh, Rick, just another great song. Perfect fit for A Fistful of Datas. It's just a fantastic uh, Again, uh, just you just continue to always uh, come up with some great stuff. Always outdo yourself. So uh, I just just love it, love it. 
And everyone should go check out Rick's new website with all of his great Star Trek songs and Star Trek parody songs, including things from Star Wars as well as other uh, sci-fi and fantasy things. You can find all that over at Star Trek Parodies. Dot com. That's StarTrekParodies.com. Go check out Rick's uh, very cool new website with all of his parody stuff. Okay, well, next uh, up on the podcast, next weekend I'm going to be traveling. I will be back home, so we're going to have a guest show. We're going to have a guest show with uh, our buddy again, Rick Moyer. Uh, and we also have Jedi Jeff doing the show. And they are going to cover the... <laughs> Classic series and Galactica 1980, and of course we've I've covered Galactica before. It's been talked about numerous times over the years, but these guys are going to specifically look at that uh, series that everyone kind of moans and groans a little bit about. But it's got some fun stuff in it, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. And there are some good episodes in there too, and and it's just. It's just going to be really cool and really fun to hear those guys, Jeff and Rick, talk about Galactica 1980. I remember when I first uh, that was going to be was first announced it was going to come on the air and be back on Galactica, and oh gosh, that was that was an interesting and exciting time. So, all right. Anyway, that'll be next weekend on the podcast. You can send uh, those guys. Uh, please send them audio comments. If you don't have their emails, you can send them to me, and I'll forward them on. You can send them to treksf at gmail.com, and I'll send them their way. Uh, in two weeks, I will be looking at uh, – what am I looking at in two weeks? Oh, yes. I'm going to look at the Voyager episode, Timeless, which I, I really thought that I had covered this one already, and, and that's the one where they discover the Voyager you know, locked in the ice in the snow uh, with uh, Chakotay and Harry Kim find it. Uh, a very cool start to an episode and, and a great episode to watch and talk about. And the week after that will be Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which you heard Mike mention that uh, it'll be the, uh, uh, the well, I've got one more after that to look at, the more recent indie movie, but that'll be the last of the original three uh, that I've uh, gone through and covered, did Raiders and Temple of Doom and now Last Crusade on February 13th. And then on the 20th of February will be the DS9 episode, Tears of the Prophets, which is a, a pretty cool episode and some has some pretty dramatic things that happen in it. It's the last episode, I believe, of season six for DS9. So that's what's coming up in the next about month on Treks in Sci-Fi. Please, uh, if you would like, uh, put a review up on iTunes uh, for the new year. That would be a great thing. Anyone out there listening, uh, reviews on iTunes are fantastic. It, it really lets people know what the show is about, what you think about it, and, and I'd love to see more up there of that. Uh, donation links are on the main website, treksandsci-fi.com. You can follow me, uh, Twitter, or all that other good stuff. I you know, I don't really do Facebook for Treks and Sci-Fi very much. I don't know. I barely do Facebook for myself. <laughs> anyway, everyone, have a great week. I, I hope you've enjoyed this look uh, at Trek, or this look at Trek, this look at A Fistful of Datas and other things that I commented on. Uh, you guys are great, uh, and uh, you just uh, are always giving me new new things to think about and talk about on the show and on the forums and all that. So thanks very much for tuning in. I will talk to you again in about two weeks, and make sure to tune in for Galactica 1980 next week with Jeff and Rick. Uh, I'm going to end the show with something a little different here. This is going to be a song. I'm only going to play, I think, part of it. 
They used this at the end of the latest Fringe episode. I'm a big Wizard of Oz fan, and there's a guy named Jeremy Little who's done sort of a, an acoustic version of If I Only Had a Brain, of course, that the Scarecrow sings in uh, the Wizard of Oz movie, and it has some significance in this latest Fringe episode, too. So I'm going to play a little of this. Jeremy Little, If I Only Had a Brain, you can find it on iTunes as well. So uh, that's about it. Everyone, have a great week. Uh, I'll talk to you again in about two weeks. Next week, uh, you have a guest show. So I've already talked about all that. (laughs) Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.